Look, mate, I, I don't want to be rude, but your hydration pack's seen better days, and uh, Kepler's nearly there. So is Northburn, Old Ghost, Tarawera, all the big summer races, and you're going to need something with a bit of carrying capacity and that's comfortable and holds all your stuff. Look no further than Ultra Spire. Bryce Thatcher has been making the very best in the hydration vests and packs for 41 years, and they just keep getting better. You're embarrassing yourself. Head to ultraspire.nz for more. Wild Things, the New Zealand trail running institution, the online community, the store. It used to be that when we'd scratch their back, you'd scratch our back. We'd all scratch each other's back with code. You get a time period. You get some months for free, but they've changed it up. So if you use the code DCR2023, a bit of ooh la la, you get $20 credit as a VIP member to drop in the Wild Things shop and you get the great discounts. So the Wild Things store, incredible discounts. Go to wildthings.club, check out the trail directory, the online community and so much more. Here's some maths for you. Did you know that in every pack of Currens 30 there are 2,500 Canterbury black currants? It took me ages to count. Uh, that's 83.333333 black currants per capsule. And if you're taking two a day, like I do, that's 166.66666 black currants that you're consuming. Now, if you were to consume that many black currants of a morning, you'd, you'd feel great initially, but you'd probably have to quit your job because it would take so much time and then there'd be the staining and then the uh, gastric side effects would probably be pretty crippling as well. But Currens have done all the hard work for you and produced this amazing superfood, aids in recovery, helpful for inflammation and just general well-being. If you head to www.currens.co.nz, you can read up on all the science behind these wondrous little things. You also get 20% off with your first order of Currens 30 with the code DIRTCHURCH. That's code DIRTCHURCH at Currens. First order, Currens 30. They're, they're great. I use them every day and I feel pretty good and I must encourage you to reject the black current industrial complex. Currents, New Zealand made, get some. Our mates at Further Faster have a lot of best things about them. We're always on about the best thing about Further Faster, but this is one of the best, best things, is that if you head to the website, which is www.furtherfaster.co.nz, you can check out the how-to guides, which cover... Such a wide range of topics, camping with dogs, trail running during your period, buying the right pack raft, camping stove reviews, it, it, anything in between those things. If you head over there, www.furtherfaster.co.nz, they've got all the resource on not just what to buy, but how to use it and why you should buy it. Fantastic. Oh, on that with camping stoves, I just bought a jet boil. All my Christmases have come at once. Amazing. If you're heading out, this thing boils up two cups of water in like two seconds. It's it's just fantastic, fantastic. Check them out. Jet boils, lots more. Furtherfaster.co.nz or head to 57A, Butchin Street, Sydenham, Otutahi Christchurch, the best independently owned outdoor store in the known universe. 
do it. Like further, faster, there in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster, now. Go further, faster, there in Christchurch, Rocky is hairy and so is Badger. Jules is nice and Jack is delicious. Go further, faster, now. Church Radio. Episode 255 of the Dirt Church Radio Trail and Ultramarathon podcast. I'm Matt Raymond. I am Eugene Bingham. Tēnā koutou katoa, no mai, hoki mai. And hoki mai ki te car park. Yes, hoki mai ki te car park. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, we're in the car. We are. <laughs> a riverhead, uh, having been for a walk Yes. in the pouring rain. Yes. Um, Got out for an incredible trail on yesterday. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's this thing. Actually, sorry, it was a hike. Oh, yes, sorry. It was a hike. It was a hike. The training plan said for a hike. Mm. Um, But, yeah, inclement weather. It looks like we've had a summer already, but we're back together. Amazing trail run yesterday. Yes. In the forest and, Mm. yeah. How's your excitement levels ahead of next week? What have you got next week, Matt? My excitement levels are... I don't know if it's excitement, it's more nerves. Um, mm. Next week I will be running for hopefully for 24 hours. Mm. First time I've ever done that. And certainly uh, seven weeks ago at Blue Lake. Yep. So. To weather intervened. Yeah, yeah to weather intervened. And um, yeah, really looking forward to it. Rage Against, Rage Against Riverhead. So mm. love Lactic Turkey events uh, and how the the grassroots feel of them and how important and community focused and so yeah we're going to be going out to riverhead next saturday november the 25th running around uh in circles for 24 mm. hours what's, the, what's off. the loop it's it's a 5k loop yep it is trail? very trail heavy yeah mm. very very trail heavy very cool i ran it the other day it's uh it's it's, it's going to be challenging and um yeah the, the whole Family's coming out and signed up for various distances. So cool. Can you, what, what other distances can so you So there's do? 8, 12, 24. Right. And you can have teams. And I was in a team um, with Murray Scott and Jane from Cambridge. Uh, we were, I wanted the team to be called actually Jane and Friends, but they weren't having that. Oh. I that was the best. Oh, best is that why you pulled out? Yeah. Disagreements <laughs> over the name. Um, <laughs> but after Blue Lake, I thought I really... Yeah, I really want to have this another is, crack. This is a scratch that still needs itching. Yep, absolutely. Mm. So, yeah, very, very, very excited. Did you sign up on the Monday after? Blue no, Lake? I didn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. So, watch the space, and uh, we'll 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 run that down. Oh, I can't wait to hear all about that. Yeah. Um, that's going to be so good. I've I've got a few changes. Yes. Yeah. Chuck my job in. Um. Yeah. I I finished working at stuff last week. Sorry, that sounded a bit throwaway. Um, heading for some exciting new projects, yeah. which I'm looking forward to. Um, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't resign from Dirt Church Radio. I'd just like to make clear, I wouldn't have you, accepted. You your didn't get my reason. Anyway. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully, it means we can develop a few things, a few ideas that we've had around Dirt Church as well. So, yeah. Hmm. Very exciting times. And when Indeed. you were talking about the projects that you've got lined up, the ideas that you have, super exciting. Yeah. So yeah. So. Onwards and upwards. Indeed, indeed. Um, this week on the show, Carly yeah. Weber. One of Southland's finest. Yeah. Uh, stalwart at so many events. Often seen with a camera and doing yes. something really incredible, documenting yeah. um, the runners. So runners NZ, which is all one word, 
project and it captures the stories of of New Zealand runners and their their wise. Mm, mm. Yeah, I um I was fortunate enough to um Carly got a photo of me at um Naseby and then got in touch and said, "Hey, do you want to have a go at this?" And it was actually like from the other side. It was really uh, thought-provoking exercise. She sort of interrogates you. Oh, interrogates, sorry. <laughs> she has a bag this, over your she head. Has this <laughs> yeah. Um, it makes you think about why is it that you run and, and what is what is the reason that you run. And it, it's it's a really interesting process to go through, actually, um, because for most of us, or for many of us, sorry, running just becomes a habit, doesn't it? It's like, why do you run? I don't know, because I run. Um, but then you sort of start through, you know, what Carly's doing and start to think, Huh, yeah, why is it that I run? Um, and, yeah, so I was very grateful that uh, I was able to be one of Carly's victims, I mean subjects. Um, and, yeah, so this is, we chat to her all about that. Um, the beauty of Kepler. Yeah. Yeah. And and Rootburn and, and, and life in general. So we're missing out on Kepler this year. Yeah. I First know. time in six years that we won't be down there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, big news is, is that we are going over to Ultra Trail Kosciuszko. Yep. And Threadbow is super excited yep. about that. Um, Eugene, myself, and Ali Pottinger on the mm. commentary team. On the mic. On the mic. So yep. it'll be, that will be a whole new adventure. And, um, you know, super excited. But yeah, Kepler will be happening in the next couple of weeks as well. And yeah. What an incredible race. I have yeah. yet to be captured by Carly, and I'm quite glad of it because it's that thing that you were just talking about. It is a vulnerable space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You go, well, why am I running, or why do I still run? Or I will admit that I shed a tear when I wrote my oh. piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really, inter- it's a really like, whoa, okay, this makes you, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's a little bit like um, Greatest Run Ever in that people can interpret it how they want, but... But um, yeah, it's a, it's an excellent thing. If you um, haven't discovered the Runners NZ project, you should find it on Instagram and other places, and we'll put it in the links. Anyway, we're probably talking too much about the things that we should be talking to Carly about, so we should get on with this. Greatest, Greatest run, run ever. Greatest run ever. Greatest run ever, which is the part of the show where we ask you to write into us and tell us your greatest run ever. Doesn't have to be a race or a mountain summit. Might just be a run around the block. Something that sung to you for some reason. Send it into us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. And this is from Aaron Kearney. Your directive, gentlemen, in a recent episode spurred me to finally pen this and contribute. Well, thank you, Aaron. We heartily appreciate it i only started running properly during the first covid lockdown so i'd have to call this a greatest run ever despite doing a magic tum 50 earlier in the year for the first time kinlock 2022 this was my first time doing the entire run topor trail series and as you know kinlock is the final of the three i'd elected to do the half marathon distance for all of them i'd only done the cougar and tokoroa the year before craters had some epic scenery up behind wairakai but nothing compared me for the conditions at kinlock I travelled down with two friends, one who got me into running himself. I stupidly, for some reason, decided to only wear a sweatband on my head that day, despite normally wearing a peak cap or a big straw hat during summer like I did at Tarawera. Given how wet and muddy the conditions were, a peak would have been much more sensible. We registered and got our compulsory gear checked and stood around waiting for the start. Getting as damp as we did before the race even started should have given us an idea of how it would be. 
Off we went and splashed up the hill. You two know how dark and gluggy the mud can be on those hills. I normally listen to a podcast or an audiobook while running, but this time I didn't get it out. Yet I found myself getting into the flow state as we got up onto the headland and I forgot about anything in my ears. It was so wet and muddy and cold up there, I could see mist rolling into the trees. It was only about 9 degrees, and that's Celsius. In conditions like that, you only talk to people a lot you talk to people a lot more and conjole each other up the hill. Once up the hill, I remember flying down the other side thinking I could slip over at any minute. I came across one friend from my running club down the hill who had slipped over and ran with her for a bit. I got back down the hill as the rain kept streaming and realised how knackered I was, but I couldn't stop grinning from ear to ear. I knew I hadn't improved much on my average time, but I just wanted to get under three hours. As I approached the Kinloch domain, I realised how much more surface water there was between <laughs> me and the finish line, as it is so low lying. I decided to do, I decided to do a Hammington, mm. in honour of our late great friend Rob Hammington, who was famous for sprinting to the end at the finish. I just remember pumping my arms like mad as I charged up that finish line, splashing up to my ankles in that water. I never slipped over once on that run. Getting through conditions like that with a smile on my dial gave me a lot more confidence of what you can get through when the weather turns against you. Keep up the good work. Wow, Aaron. Have you ever run around Topor? Yeah. What a fantastic part of the country. Absolutely. I'm liking the idea of this Hamington as well. Yeah, I was wondering what they were. I thought yeah. it was going to be like a slide. Yeah, I did wonder about that. It's like the full arms out in front and they just go for it, um, sliding all the way to the finish. But no, Aaron, that was amazing. I had uh, Tarawera 2018 flashbacks Yes, during that, the, the muddy, slippery, rainy year, um, particularly when you talked about not getting out the podcast. I'd had a plan during that race to get up Okataina of I'd saved up some podcasts that I was going to listen to. But in those conditions... I realized I needed all my yeah. senses. Yeah. I couldn't afford to like not concentrate on what I was doing. Um, but unlike you, Aaron, I slipped over plenty. So anyway, um, thank you so much for sending it in. The rest of you, you know where to find us. Dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. Send them in to us. You know you want to. Let us know. Let us know. Right? Reach out to us. This is a call to action. What music, what gets you through those times? I remember yeah. coming down the hill at Western Okataina once, and it was the 2017, it was a it was a cyclone year, maybe it was 2016, coming back mm. over Western Okataina, and I had in my earphones one song on repeat, and that was a song called Summer Holidays versus Punk Routine by the Swedish band Refused, mm. and that is what got me all the way over Western Okataina, really? just one song on repeat. Wow. The whole way. Wow. Um, yeah, it's interesting the different ways that we can use sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember at Tarawera, first time I did it actually, so that must have been 2013. Um, not all my stories are Tarawera related, sorry. But um, I was dehydrated. and I got to an age session and I realized I was dehydrated. And so I put some music on to um, give myself, a, a so like at the end of every song, I would just take a sip. Ah. So it was just, it was just to like, create a reminder in my brain yeah of like okay oh song's finished better take a sip you know not a huge amount obviously i didn't want to be overhydrated, but just <laughs> yeah, like lots of really short songs yeah. anyway um but just yeah it music and sounds and podcasts can be at all yeah they? yeah yeah a lot of you poor bastards also tell us that you listen to us oh, when you're i know what a punishment that must oh. be i'm really sorry about that anyway something that's not punishing no carly weber yes 
genius conversation. Please enjoy. Dirt Radio. Carly Weber, let's go. Welcome to Dirt Church Radio all the way from Tiano. Yes. You guys were here last year. I um, I put you on the uh, Kepler track. Um, saw you on the race last year and again at the finish line. So we did catch up uh, late last year around this time, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it feels... Um, it feels really strange not to be going down to Tiano this year. It it's feels really strange not having years. you guys there. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that uh, we'd need to put the genie back in the bottle, like yeah. go back and <laughs> chase everyone retrospectively for subs. But work and life have a a way of, of biting down sometimes, unfortunately, and we and we had to make the choice not to do it but i what is your involvement i mean there's lots of different things that i i want to talk to you you know runners in z and you just you know milford and 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 root burn everything but what's your involvement with with kepler uh well we moved to tiano only 18 months ago um which that in itself is a story because we were in a motorhome for three years traveling new zealand um and my husband's Australian, Lee is Australian, and he sort of made some noise about moving back to Australia. So the motorhome was a little bit of a ploy to say, let's do New Zealand for six months and see if there's anywhere that you really love and fall in love with. Um, obviously, COVID happened, and we kind of got a little trapped, but um, no regrets. I loved it. And we did come down here, and we, we ran little bits of the Kepler track, and we um, just fell in love with Fiordland. And he said, oh, we could move to Tiano. I'd be happy, like, hanging out down there. So we moved down here a year and a half ago in the middle of winter. Um, so that was a culture shock. Um, I signed up and ran the Kepler Challenge in December last year. Um, and, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. We have plans to both run the Kepler Challenge next week, um, but I have a torn meniscus now, so that's put my um, plans off the rails. Oh. Um, but earlier this year, I actually joined the Kepler Committee. Um, so no loss. I will hang out at the finish line um, and take some photos and help out best I can with the team this year. Um, so that'll be pretty exciting. And we've got a few friends and Lee's running the Kepler too. So I'll be right there on the finish line to um, greet some people across the line. And uh, I do some of the social media for Kepler too. So I will just be pestering the Instagram um all afternoon, the finishes and the photos and things like that. So that's what I'm doing for Kepler this year. And it is a bit gutting to miss out on the run itself because it's a heck of a track. It's awesome. But um, I think I've got second best prize, so that's pretty cool. You, you're, dragging the, you're dragging the mighty Kepler challenge kicking and screaming into the, di- the digital age. That's one of the... Yeah. That's one of the glorious things about, you know, you go to the, you go to the hall and they've still got the... They've still got the chalkboards up. They've got the newspaper. We're, we're on the chalkboard, actually. We, we, there's, a, <laughs> there's a newspaper clipping, a Dirt Church Radio newspaper clipping up there. That's that's incredible. We're immortalised. Yeah, and that's, uh, the race we is actually pretty special. Um, it's my first last year, and you walk in, and it is, it's, it's almost this media archive um, that you sort of walk through and you get to see all of the amazing. The way it started, 1988, it kicked off, was the first one. So it's the whole story behind the Kepler and everything's pretty amazing. And I think, um, obviously, all the people and all the stories that come out of that is um, part of the whole Kepler thing now. So um, awesome that you guys are part of that story. 
yeah and 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 no doubt you know no doubt we'll be back what what was it like moving to a town like tiano and and what's the population of tiano off season uh, Oh gosh, you can ask me all this. Oh, off season, so it's actually mad at the moment. We moved uh, winter last year. It was super quiet, and we thought, oh, "What a lovely little town! It's so quiet. It's so beautiful. It's so cold." Um, <laughs> but it was it was really great, and you got to know the locals. Um, I don't know if you've ever lived in a small town, but it's it's different. Um, the people are pretty amazing, and everybody gets to know everybody and is really helpful and if you need anything you just direct it in the right place really quickly. Um, summer came around in December and Christmas and New Year and um, and obviously some of the restrictions around COVID had finished or the COVID restrictions and things so town got busy and Lee and I looked at each other and was like where did all these people come from? <laughs> And um, so we had no idea that it was such a tourist town. Like we obviously knew that, you know, the route burns there, the Kepler, um, the Milford Track. I understand it's a transient, amazing place to visit, but we didn't realise the extent. Um, and so, yeah, summer was insane. And um, and we're just coming into that period again. I think I went to town um, this afternoon. And I was just like, whoa, you could almost dodge them in the street. We don't have many streets, but when you are driving through town, uh, there's just people everywhere. The so street. it's fantastic. The street. It is fantastic for local businesses and the economy and stuff. Um, and, yeah, just awesome to see the town buzzing. But um, sometimes you sort of think, oh, I do miss that quiet little town that you do get in winter. But I know that will come back around again soon and we'll have it all to ourselves. <laughs> And did you grow up in a small town, Carly? Is that I did. Were you trying uh, to sort of get back to that life? Uh, a little bit, I think. So I grew up in the Wadarapa, um, which is a yeah small. So it's just north of Wellington, and um, yeah, small. I think our school had a population of about ninety, and yeah, it was a pretty small town. Um, I think you know after being in the motorhome for so long and travelling New Zealand, that was really a way of going back to basics. We um, had our three children with us, and um, nothing is easy, but everything is simple, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, I sort of we we travel into cities, and I'd get anxiety because you know when you're in a motorhome, you're so lucky to be able to just go. And find a campground on a beach or so we got to visit all these small towns and it was just amazing every time we roll into um city the kids eyes would light up because they haven't seen a mcdonald's in like three months or or anything like that and um and Lee and i just be like oh quick let's go to the next town but um yeah so it was quite it was quite a lifestyle and we knew that when we finished that journey or that adventure that um, we'd probably be best suited in a smaller town. Um, our eldest two kids also are um, both autistic, so having a small town for us is quite beneficial in that um, you sort of get to know everybody and everybody gets to know you guys, and so there is a lot more acceptance around that as well. So um, that's a pretty cool aspect for us as well. It's it's interesting, isn't it? The the routine, like you said, nothing's nothing's simple, but or nothing's easy, but everything's simple. Mm-hmm. We hire a motorhome, or we've used our friend's motorhome to go to to races, and and oftentimes we'll go with our friends, the Collinses, Collinses, who've had a motorhome for years, and they're like motorhome ninjas. 
And then you'd look inside our motorhome and there'd be stuff everywhere and we'd all be standing in a line trying to get to the same place. Like there'd be we'd just sort of bunch up like sardines. And 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 it does take a little bit of it does take a little bit of a the hang to get, you know, to get it, right? But I guess there is a routine with that and a and a structure that if you were neurologically divergent that there might be a real comfort in that structure. Uh, I think there is. There also part of it was disrupting their comfort because we'd wake up, you know, every second day in a completely different place. Um, so it was also busting that that need for same same every day. I know when we did live in a house, um, our routine was the same every day, and it drove me crazy. So it's very interesting having a family of five mm. and all being so different. So. Um, which is another story about how we got into running. But um, so it was that routine at home that was driving me crazy. And um, so, and and, the, and it was almost like solidifying their need for routine and their need for everything to be the same. So uh, that was part of it. There were two reasons we did the motorhome adventure and, um, and that was one of it to shake stuff up. So that um, for them needing that rigidity and routine, it was almost like um, – Sink or swim, which sounds cruel, but we didn't do it mm. in a whole sink or swim way. But it was just, yeah, really great way to sort of, and, and they had a say in everything we did. So it was just a nice way to um, bust that, I think, that autism rigidity. And it worked really well for us for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, three years. Yeah, it wasn't supposed it's to be a long time to be that long. But you know, we started actually so we built Runners NZ or we started Runners NZ from within the motorhome, um, partly because we were in a motorhome and and then it was just so easy once again to go to races. Like we could just pop up anywhere. It was like sign up for this and where could we go next and the town we're in, is there a race on there? So um there was a big appeal from that side of it for us too. And um yeah, so that was more of one of the more fun aspects right, well, of being in a motorhome. That's that certainly, yeah, just that that freedom, hey, to be able to go where you need to go. Well, look, Carly, let's let's go there. Uh, the big question, how did you start running? Or why did you start running is probably more germane. Oh, well, this is the question we ask everybody. We ask, so um, the project was based I around know. asking the question why, and it puts everyone on a level playing field. I don't really care if you run 2k or 200k um you know it doesn't matter if you're fast or slow it doesn't matter if you've qualified you know done a boston qualifier if you are you know just doing a park run pb at 45 minutes it doesn't matter um everyone has a reason why everyone puts their shoes on for the first time or heads out the door for the first time um because of a catalyst and i always say to people nobody accidentally starts running um, so there's always that push to start that first time. But I think more importantly than the first time is why you don't stop because um, it's very easy to go out for that one run and that New Year's resolution. Um, but, you know, there's people who we've met who have been running for 50 years and that's a, that's more fascinating to me. Like, why don't you stop? So um, we – uh, I always did sport as a kid, and I think most people's stories – actually, no, it's probably 50-50. Some people say I was a sporty kid, and other kids are like, I would wag PE every day, every every week. 
So um, I love sport um, and then starting a family and having two children diagnosed with autism under the age of three uh, put a wild spin on life. And, um, and I, it would be fair to say that uh, both Lee and I went through quite a heavy period of grief and depression. Uh, and a lot of that was around losing control of our own futures. Uh, everything sort of became very dependent on um, raising kids that we just, I don't want to say didn't relate to, but we couldn't understand. And we just nothing worked the way it worked in our brains for them. So it was a massive learning curve. And when I say massive, it's like five years before we could. And we'd figure something out and then it would change. So um, it felt like we had no control over outcomes. Um, and it felt like we were losing ourselves to autism because we wanted so much to do the right thing, to do the best thing and there, there's a lot of um we, we started in australia because lee is australian and um and over there they've got like quite a hardcore early intervention strategy or plan and so there was a lot of pressure almost like to fix these children um so it took us a long time to sort of come around to the idea that they weren't there to be fixed but in the initial years i guess for want of a better word that's what we were trying to do and that was the best advice we were given so we completely lost ourselves for a long time um we moved back to new zealand uh out of isolation my parents are in wellington and uh, we just thought having a bit more um, family and community around uh, we were in brisbane so we're talking about small towns and cities so you know we just didn't have that community or connection and we can flip around to that later, but um, a lot of conversations centre around mental health, and I think a lot of mental health, for me personally, um, issues come from that loss of connection with people, and that's where we found ourselves. And we had a friend, Sharice Evelyn, in Featherston, and she was this mum at our school, and I think she'd just done Tarawera, 50k, and um and I just said, why? <laughs> At the time, I was so unfit and my body was aching all the time because I'd become very sedentary. And um, and this woman was just amazing and I thought she was a bit nuts. And she sort of convinced myself and another friend to maybe try running as a way just to boost your confidence and your self-esteem and all of that sort of stuff. I thought she was mad. But um, I bought a $40 pair of shoes from the warehouse and um, I went for my first run and I got blisters and it was awful and it was painful and I loved it. So <laughs> we made plans to do it two or three times a week, drop the kids off at school and me and this other friend who couldn't run one kilometre. That was our goal. We were going to try and we went to this back road, small town. We went even smaller out to this back road so no one could see us. And we tried to run one kilometre. We just built up, built up power poles. Everybody does the run-walk method between power poles. And we just slowly started to see progress. And I say this all the time to people. I think the thing I love about running is there's not many things in this world that you can practice badly and get better. And running is. Like, I was wearing the wrong shoes. I was weak in the glutes and core. I had no idea what I was doing. But just one foot in front of the other, consistency, turning up, turning up badly, and you get better. And um, 
I don't recommend that. Like, <laughs> that's not, but as a starter, it's pretty special that you can, because mo- it's motivating, isn't it? When you see some results or some progress, you're sort of like, yeah, that's working. I'll, I'll do more. Whereas when you sort of fail over and over again, it's very easy to quit. And I felt like mm, I would. With, with running. No, with, no, please. Sorry. Yeah. So I think our goal was to build up to 5K and then 10. And it took us about five months, but um, we entered the Wellington Round the Bays 10K. And, um, and yeah, it just amazed me that um, we could, like I say, just show up week after week and get better. I mean, I look back now and I was an overstrider, so I had all these problems with my knees and there were so many things wrong with my running, but I was still making progress. And um, I thought it was pretty special. So, and it made me feel like I could control something. I could get out of bed, I could mm. go for a run, and I could get better. So all I had to do was do the work and I got better. So it was that element of control and success for me, whereas some days I would do my best for everything for my family and it didn't feel like enough or it didn't feel like I had any wins for weeks. And um, I could do this very simple act of going for a run and get wins. So for me that was, um, and and for Lee probably as well, that was um, something that both of us realised really quickly with running and that's why we started. It's amazing, isn't it, when you think about, like you said, that you have this period of, of what appears to be phenomenal gains and, and like you said, you can do something, and I use the, the air quotes, badly and get better at it. And conversely, it's, it's, it's this beautiful, elusive sport that you can train really well for something and have a shocker. Yes. It's not the bite. There's so many things that, and I think about what you said about mental health and how connection is so important, but often what we see as well is it's that lack of control, that lack of autonomy, that lack of, of, of mastery that also has really negative impacts on people's mental health. So to hear you talk about, you know, um, you've got this thing that you can control you can decide when you start. You can decide when you stop. You can decide how fast you go. Yeah, that 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 must have been so liberating. It was. It was, and it's interesting um, because now we're a little bit further into the sport. I think, um, and on the mental health theme, it has a flip side too because you can still do everything right and push harder and further, and you can break. And so I see a lot of. Runners, obviously, and I think everyone will be nodding their heads. When they get injured, the whole mindset goes down the drain a little bit because the thing that they had that was making them feel good is now on the line, um, potentially, you know, not going to be able to do it or, or, like you say, a race. I mean, I had to pull out the kipper so there were tears about that for a little bit. Um, And... Yeah, so you do go through these roller coasters. So it's not all smooth sailing where you can control and and um, and just go on this massive, nice incline of success and progress. Um, so I think it does initially, and, and in the early days, man, the gains are awesome. Um, <laughs> and then reality hits a little bit. And age, I think um, I've just turned into my 40s recently and had a rude awakening um, that I'm not 20 anymore. So um 
the body behaves very differently and those things are outside your control. So, yeah, there's a lot you can control and a lot you can't. So, um, like I said, in the early days, it was more wins than losses. <laughs> and then it evens out a little bit and that's when I think it's important to, to have other mechanisms or things about running that you love um, to not make that bite so hard. I wonder about the age thing. You're right that, well, I mean, A, I bite my arm off to just turn 40. Um, but <laughs> that sense of, yeah, the body changes, but the mental strength, the 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 mindset, everything, I, I, I'd argue that I'm, I'm running better in my mid to late 40s than I definitely was in my 30s. Mm. because i'm training differently but it's the it's, it's that it's that mental that mental side of things you know and and you said about tears at kepler i don't know many people who haven't shed a cheeky tear especially if people have done it more than once on, on that trail it's uh i i sat down and had a, a good cry at iris burn uh last year like head in the hands and, and just had a real good cry and it was an interesting an interesting spot to be in right like in this sort of bastion of sort of stoic um you know you, you go into you go into the race hq and there's the 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 women and men who are in cotton t-shirts with like ginger nuts and heinekens running when there was no boardwalks you know in the snow and <laughs> and there yeah. i am this cybaritic aucklander sitting on a stump at irisburn you know weeping <laughs> because yeah. my, my day wasn't going finish. how I thought it you was. You had a strong finish though because I, I remember catching you on the trail and you were not in a happy place but you um I mean I crossed the finish line and I turned around and you're like right there so um that's interesting in itself do you think with age and that that your mental side gets a little stronger and you're able to flip those around better do you think you would have handled that differently it was a real 10 years ago? Oh, I would have. There were three. Yeah, it was, it was hours off my goal time. I, hours. And that was really liberating in a way. So I had three things that, that I thought. I thought the first thing was, and this is a little bit shameful, I thought people know that I got a helicopter ride to Invercargill one year because I fell off the side of the mountain and, and hurt myself. And they know that. And I'm not doing that again because I got so much shit for it out of certain people so there was that there was there was that the second thing was someone was really there was a i i think he he might have been the aid station captain i i can't remember his name but he was so reassuring and 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 containing and was just like you know i was really sick i had gastro and i should yeah. never have probably started um and he he was so reassuring. He put his hand on my shoulder, gave my shoulder a squeeze, didn't make me feel terrible, didn't make me feel. And I thought, I'm going to, he's like, just let it all out and then carry on. And the third, well, there's actually four things. The third thing was this realization that I had nothing to prove to to Eugene or nothing to prove to any of my friends and that they would think that I was a an okay human being if I finished and it didn't ma and, and I didn't matter how long I could walk from Iris Burn, I'd still be like hours under cutoff. But I was also going for a job interview for a job that I, I really, really cared about. And I was acting into the role 
and it was the Tuesday after Kepler. And I said to myself, if I can't even finish this, then I'm going to withdraw my application for the role because if I don't have the strength to do this, then I don't have the mental strength to do the job that I really wanted. So those were the that was the kind of the comment. So I guess, yeah, that's that was uh broadly speaking, I think if I'd have been thirty two, I would have just said space blanket, please. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with that, I, I would like a ride back to the control gates, please. But yeah, so yeah, you're right. It, 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 it was a. It, well, you see a lot you know, of. And there was a lot of I sort of putting want... the. It... Yeah, so I was going to say, I'm um, not fully speaking because there's always exception to the rules, but you see some of these ultra runners and they've got age under their belt. Do you know what I mean? And I wonder, I often wonder. And I have spoken to a few people who have gotten to running later or they are older runners and they've switched from the fast stuff to the ultras and to the real long stuff. And, um, and it's always really interesting that their mental game is very different. Um, I think mm. not then all runners, but then probably a few of the younger runners. And I think just that experience and that life experience, not just running experience, um, the whole mental adaption and the the way they look at those long things is really different. Um, we caught up with um, Helene Barron and Katie Wright at the Catlins um, during the Coastal Ultra for Runners in Zedluck the other year, and something Helene said that she loves about ultras, and I thought it just changed everything, the way that um, I looked at them, and she said, you've got time to solve any problem. You have a 5,000-metre track race and you have a shoelace undone, that's your day gone, sit on the side and have a cry. But mm. you can actually have a cry in an ultra um, for a good five or ten minutes and pick yourself up afterwards and carry on, and it hasn't really made a huge dent in your day. Um, and she, Yeah, and she said, that's what I do love about ultras. You can, it's problem-solving, it's mental, it's fixing things, adjusting to things, and just making the best of every little thing that comes your way, but without stress because you've got time at the end of the day. Like there's no mm. well, as long as you're in front of the tail end, Charlie, you've got time. So yeah. And how, and so you enter the you enter the round the bays in Wellington. Oh God, it was terrible. How was that yeah. first 10K oh, for you? It was awful. Awful. So no experience whatsoever. Like this is a person who only just learned to run and I'm out the gate at like a four fifty pace. I think I last a hundred meters and realise my mistakes. So I dial it back to 5.30, which is still way under my, way faster than I'm capable. And um, and I just had this goal, this hardcore first run goal that I was not going to walk a single step of it. I was 10K, and I think I walked most of it. It was just awful. I had no smarts about it all. Like I said, I was an overstrider, so everything hurt. Um I had learnt my lesson. I was no longer wearing my $40 warehouse shoes. So um, I had stepped up in the, into a better pair of running shoes. But yeah, no, awful. Absolutely. What awful. were your first? I'm, I'm really interested to hear what was your first. Like, I, I started on the $40 uh, Lonsdale <laughs> warehouse jobbies too. Yeah. And what was your first real pair of shoes? Um, so we're Do talking, they weren't the brands that are out now. So um, I think this is probably pretty No, 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 no. Six years ago, um, I just had a pair of assets. I don't even know where I got them from. I went and saw a proper shoe person um, even later than that, maybe even second year into running. 
Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I knew nothing about running. I didn't, you know, I didn't know about hydration. I didn't know about anything. So I just bought a pair of ASICs because they looked like running shoes and they were more expensive than $40. So it had to be right. So <laughs> that, was, my, that yeah. was where I was at. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, I was and, and at Essex this, Gel Cayano with my first pair of real shoes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, oh. loved them. Yeah, oh, same couldn't, thing. I couldn't even tell you the model. Yeah. But, um, Essex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the, that's the, um, all the only brand I knew or recognized as a non runner. So, yeah. But, um, you know, it's, and then this happened with just about every goal because, you know, one of our goals when we started running and we did this 10K and it was terrible. Um, Lee and I looked at each other and we said, we should really run a marathon before we're 40. Like, that's just that's just the thing people say, right? Before I'm X, Y, Z, should run a marathon. Um, so, you know, first step is 10K and then you do your half. And I, ju- I just jumped into a half way too soon and um, and I ran that and it was absolutely freaking awful. And um, But, you know, across the finish line, I, I across the finish line and I saw Lee because he finished way in front of me. In fact, only he was only there because I didn't want to drive to Wellington, so I entered him as well. And um, and he just blitzed it. I looked at him and I was like, are you going to train? Because I'm training. And um, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just went out and did really well. Um, and so he was at the finish line. I crossed the finish line. My knees and hips, everything hurt. And I thought, if I stop running, I'm going to fall over. So I ran past the metal lady and then I ran past the lady and said, you're going to have to catch me, catch me at the end because once I stop, I think everything's going to seize up and I'm going to collapse. So that's kind of what happened. And then as we walked back together to get my medal, um, I said to him, that was so bad, but I think I can do better, so we need to, we need to do another one. And, um, and isn't that the curse of the runner, right? Because... Um, not many runners, or they do. They say at the time, I'm never going to do that again. Um, but then with some reflection, like, well, what if I had a coach? Or what if I what if I didn't start with 21K? What if I, like, built up a bit better than that? What if, what if? And um, and you learn and you grow and you start again. And you try and do things mm. a bit smarter. But you, I think there is that little addiction <laughs> where something is so terrible and if it were anything else in life, you just go, I'm not doing that again, and you quit. But with running, there's something that just pulls you back and you're like, okay, that was terrible, but I could do better. So let's try again. You're nodding. Yeah, it's a powerhouse of (laughs) – no, I'm just – I I, I love it and I I, I think that it's it's really true. And, and, you know, lots of people – I don't know if you ever smoked a Marlboro Light in your life. You're like, that's terrible. <laughs> do another one? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, yes, I do want another one. Or it, there's lots of things. I guess it's the chemical reaction, isn't it? It's what it brings out, and it's just that dopamine, serotonin, uh, the and running is such a powerhouse of calm. I guess it, it's it's that thing, isn't it? You see people. There's a agitation at the start and there's a sense of after the initial kind of letdown of the finish you know the emotional letdown of the finish there's that sense of calm and everyone's just chilling out because those endorphins are just flooding us it's a it's a wonderful feeling yeah and isn't it fantastic like literally running is such a individual sport but 
but at the same time, there's such a huge community wrapped around it too. So everyone can be so happy for other people, whether they beat you by heaps or they just beat you or, you know, it doesn't matter where you come in the field. And I think that's another thing that um, drew me to running in the early days was um, was that sense of that everybody's rooting for you, whether, you know, you've beaten them, they've beaten There was no competition. So another interesting story about my friend Cherise who got us into running, when she did do the – so she did the 10K with us. I think she did the 10K. She was post-title winner and, and did that. But she went back and did another ultra, and I remember she posted all these photos on Facebook. It might have been the Taupo ultra later that year. And she's posting – and we got into running, and we got into, like, road half marathons and road 10Ks where everybody's standing at the finish line with their fingers on their watch, like, ready to go. And, um, and she's posting all these photos and selfies. So th- this we were green. And um, on Facebook about this event that she'd done at Taupo. And, and I messaged her. I said, Cherise, why are you taking photos? That'll slow you down. So me, me, this new runner, giving my ultra runner friend some advice, saying, like, why are you doing that? Why are you, why are you taking photos? Like, shouldn't you, like, be trying, Girl, to, win, the podium. Like, trying to go faster? And she had a wee giggle and she said, Carly, have you ever run a trail event? And I said, no. And she said, you need to do that. So that was interesting too. <laughs> so what was your first trail event? Um, I think I think the Taupo 50 was our first trail event. Lee and I actually ran that together. And um, it was such a cool day because Jason Harriman was at the finish line and called us over and we – we crossed over and I think he recognised us and he or he asked the question, something about runners. And he's like, oh, I just remember him saying, because we, when we filled out the form, we didn't put an address or a town that we lived at. And, he, you know, he's the MC calling us across the line and he said, oh, from, and then he kind of looked at whatever information he uses and then he, looked, he put the mic down and he said, where do you guys live? And Lee and I just looked at each other and we said, nowhere. And his mic just dropped again. He's like, what do you mean? So then we had this great conversation with him, like we're, trying, we're dying, like literally I couldn't stand up and he's got all these questions for us. And I'm just like, another time, Jason. But um, so he's one we haven't got on the project. So if he's listening, he has to, um, got to cross paths with him again. Where he's popped up a few times. One time he was an old ghost and we didn't catch him then because he went for a swim. And the second time we didn't catch him, so we were in jeans um, at the finish line of the Taupo Marathon. So um we have to catch this guy with his running gear on and then we'll get him. <laughs> and you. So, okay. Got Jane, but not ta- you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about Runners NZ. What was the – and I've got a fear, but we can touch on that in a bit. What was the <laughs> What was the, the impetus for or, – or, or tell, tell us about Runners NZ. What is it? Um. Well – I came back from Australia um, having gotten into photography. So I, so prior to running, photography was my sort of mental health thing. Um, when I grew up, all I wanted to do was have a career in arts and sports. And um, I got told those two things were not career paths. They were hobbies. Um, so I did accounting instead. And um, that's my soul dry. Sorry, accountants. And... Um, and so I got into photography after the kids were born and 
Um, studio photography worked really well for me because um, I didn't have to, I could pick a time, it could be at night, anything, I didn't have to worry about weather or anything like that. Um, and I just got into photographing in the studio, got into photographing dancers and athletes. And um, so this loops around a little bit more about my love-hate relationship with social media. So at the time, you know, I was following a lot of photographers on social media and they're posting these pictures, beautiful portraits of people and just complimenting their looks and that bothered me on some level because I thought these people have got amazing stories but you're getting all these likes and all these attention because you picked someone beautiful and photographed them in a beautiful mm. way so it just didn't sit right with me so I was photographing these people and, um, and I started asking them questions and I thought and so it was two things. It was therapy for me because these people were, I mean, they were 14, 15-year-old girls who were choosing dance as a career, so foregoing school and doing dance. Um, there were, I had an MMA fighter, um, musicians. They were all doing things against the grain. So um, I would post their photos with quotes of what their struggles were, what their wins were, why they did what they did, why they were choosing I guess you could say the hard path of doing something like that. And um, and I just started seeing doors opening. You know, it was people engaged with the photos more because they learned something about the person in the photo. It wasn't just that. So we moved to New Zealand and I really still wanted to do a little bit of photography. Kiwis are a little bit interesting compared to Australians and they say no to a lot of spotlight stuff. So I know that's your fear and I know where that's going. Um, <laughs> so we, um, oh, it's just so funny having sat on, sorry, having sat on finish lines in Aotearoa and sat on finish lines in Australia, mm. I, a, a, as frightened of it as I am, I kind of wish that we would adopt some of the, yeah. the, the, the celebration in the moment. Yeah. The unfettered kind of I've done this, this is or we've done this, this this amazing thing. It's 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 incredible to see. You can yeah. always tell not every Australian, but a lot of Australians are the ones in town with the medal on, right? <laughs> After the event, walking around ce celebrating. I think it's in the New Zealand constitution that the, the, the running medal comes off when you have the shower and it never goes back on unless it's an Olympic gold. And, and even then you know, it's it's such a different thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. So like, I would be photographing athletes and dancers and they would be proud of their sport or proud of their accomplishments and love these photos. And you would come to New Zealand and say, you know, would you like to celebrate your passion and who you are and what you do with some portraits? And they'd be like, shame, no. Like, <laughs> they wouldn't want to... Shame. Well, yeah, shame. <laughs> um, and... So that was really interesting um, and kind of shut things down for me for a little bit. So that's when I found running and then we did this motorhome adventure. And while we were in the motorhome, you know, one of the things, the first obvious thing is you move away from your community. So we didn't have a community and we were not, we were quite transient. So um, have you heard of a project called Humans of New York, an American project? Yes. Yeah, that's what runners – Yeah. NZ reminds, so, well, that was my idea. It reminds so whole, me of it's that humans in New York. Yeah, so the whole thing started very selfishly as a photo project for me. I wanted to do photography and I wanted to take portraits. 
So I was like, I'm going to do a Humans of New York project. And my first idea was I was going to photograph other people who were traveling in their motorhomes and um, being full-time on the road and things. Um, what I learned very quickly is a lot of those people um, live that lifestyle because they don't want anybody to talk to them. Um, so that project died real fast, real fast. And um, we'd been to a few running events at that stage, and I said to Lee, do you know who never says no to a photo in a chat? Runners. Ever. <laughs> Mostly. So I was in the North Island at the stage, and we'll get to that topic about the difference between the North and the South Island very soon. But most runners we knew around that central North Island and in the event scene, you know, they loved a photo and they loved to chat about running. So I was like, maybe the theme of this project could be that. So we sort of put this idea out that we would meet up with runners and it would it would give us some human connection. So like I said, the project started very selfishly. I wanted to take photos and get better at taking photos, but I needed subjects. I just I can't get into landscapes. It's just not my jam. So I thought if I photograph people and chat to them, then we get that human connection and we can make some friends wherever we go. Um, and, you know, secondly – they show us cool places because when I say, you know, when I go to Taranaki and I say, hey, where should we take your photo? They're like, have you heard of Lake Mangamahoe? I'm like, no, take me there. So um, we'd get to see all these cool places as well. So we'd take photographs of people in these cool places, um, which later actually a friend, Hardis from um, South Africa who lived in Wellington, I met him and his wife one day for a photo and um just we, we we met in the wrong place. We were both not long-term Wellington people. We kind of organised this place to meet. We met. It was not the right place for a photo. And he said, I'll take you up Mount Vic. And he said, do you want to get in our car and we'll drive up there? And I did. And we're driving up there. And he says, do you always get into strangers' cars? And I just had this sick feeling all of a sudden that, oh, my gosh, I just got into a stranger's car. So, um, and that did make me think because we do meet strangers in some random remote locations. Um, I don't know if I should say that on a public thing because, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it did make me kind of think about the hilarity of um, what we were doing. But, yes, we meet random people. In but random I guess that's places. the myth, isn't it? <laughs> that's the myth. The myth is that, and we think about mental health, we th think about harm. The myth is a stranger's going to be the one who's going to... Mm. You know, I'm far more likely that Rebecca Ann Short is going to hold a pillow over my head in my sleep <laughs> than I guess if it has. Part of me is yes. like, if it hasn't happened by now, it's not going to happen. But f like statistically, yes. you're more likely to get hurt by someone you know or someone yeah. you're intimately involved with rather than some dude. But uh, and and maybe that's a Maybe that's the privilege of living somewhere like New Zealand where, yeah. you know, perhaps yeah, if you were in so South Africa, you wouldn't need if, – if old mate's like, do you want to come up Table Mountain? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So they <laughs> – I'll jump in there. I don't in, know. That, in that car ride, they did have some interesting stories about South Africa, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, thank goodness we live here. But um, <laughs> so that, that was an interesting wee thing. But, you know, going back to that, I had this idea. It was very selfish because I wanted to take photos and I wanted to – um um meet people and bring some people into our life. Um, and how it all started was this little idea, and I've got to have a massive shout-out to my friend Sarah. She is the most amazing person, and she is our number one. 
Um, we were so I have this love hate relationship with social media because um, it can be gross at times, um, and particularly around when I was sort of getting into this, uh, influencers had just become a major thing. And so there were some icky feelings around social media for me, and I wanted to do it differently. I wanted to make everybody human. And so there were some there were some vague rules, like it's we're not selling anything. You're not allowed to pitch anything. You're telling your story, and um, if people are engaged with your story or they are compelled by you, they can go follow you on your account, and you guys can become friends on the side, and then you can pitch whatever you like. So. Probably the only rule we had around it was it wasn't allowed to be anything too commercial or too, I'm not saying we did a perfect job of all of that, but um, I just wanted real stories from real humans. And um, and so I do have some gratitude for Instagram because I could hand on heart say that almost everybody in my life now I've met through Instagram. Um, and, you know, I'm very blessed for that and you know runner says it wouldn't be what it was if it wasn't for instagram because we were at the Manawatu striders event one year again green runners um we've done we've done the 10k and um and this blonde lady just yells out mr weber which is my husband's instagram handle so and we just look over and there's this um energetic lady and she comes bounding towards us and she says i've been talking to you on instagram and we're like huh and then the penny dropped, and we were like, oh, now we know who you are. And, and it was this great conversation, and she was from Taranaki. And, um, and we said, oh, we're actually coming up to Taranaki in a couple of weeks. And she said, oh, I'll show you around. So um, we ended up meeting up with her. But before we went up, I sent her a message, and I actually read it about a year ago. And it's so terrible, but it was something along the lines of, I want to start this thing, but I don't really know what it is. And it won't be a thing until somebody says yes. So I'd like you to be the first person that says yes. I think I want to take photos of people in their running gear. And it's just, and I would like to tell a wee story about how they came to be a runner. I said, the catch is I've got this old 1970s film camera and this roll of Kodak film. And I want to do all the photos on the project on this beast of a camera. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. So we go up to Taranaki, we meet her, she lives rurally, so we've got this photo of Sarah with Mount Egmont or Mount Taranaki in the background, and I've got this old camera and, you know, I have to, like, do a bellows focus, so I've got to wind the thing to focus. And then she, So the reason the project is what it is, no one was allowed to move because she said, shall I run? I said, hell no, because <laughs> then I can't focus on you. I've got to adjust the focus on this thing, and I've got one shot because every shot cost me $5 on this roll of film, which I then have to send away and get developed. So everybody got two photos, to be fair, in case they blinked. And um, and I and it had 12 photos to a, a roll of film, and so I needed six runners before I could send this thing away. So I said to her, we're not going to see this photo unless I get six more runners. So she was our gateway because she said, oh, I know lots of runners in Taranaki, and she introduced us to quite a few runners through her circles. We were travelling back to Manawatu, so, so probably the three people that got the project underway was her, um, Kate. Kate's been on your podcast before from from Palmerston North. So um, I think once we got into yep. Instagram, uh, we very quickly found Kate and um, and I messaged her and I said, we're coming to Palmerston North, would you be involved in this thing? So at this stage, I had nothing to show anyone to say what it would be. Um, and she then introduced us to Michelle and Lewis from Palmerston North. 
Um, and then another friend, Kate Shea from Wellington, so I had these three people. She introduced, well, she was one of the first people on the project too. I think she's number three. And she introduced me to the likes of um, James Goodwill and actually uh, another guy, um, J- Jason, who was part of Running on the Spectrum, which was, I think that's how I met Kate. Um, he had a charity about getting autistic teens and things into running as a way of coping because he himself was a man mm. with autism. So he's never been on the project because he moved to Australia, which is very frustrating, but he has got to run his NZT and he promises me one day when he'll be back in New Zealand, we will do that. He might be coming to the wild, actually, so maybe I could pin him down there. So, yeah, those three people sort of got things underway and I sent this roll of film away to America to be developed and scanned and sent back. And um, they came back and I everybody wrote a wee blurb or a wee story. So we had a conversation in a kuriro at the time and then I sort of said I would give you the time to write it out, um, you know, with a bit more space to think and, and focus on what you want to write. And, um, and we started sharing these photos. And I think once I had something, once it was tangible and somebody could read it and go, oh, okay, that's what you're doing, then the flow-on effect I felt was a little bit easier. Do you know what I mean? Once somebody could read another person's or a friend, so somebody knew Sarah, they're like, oh, Sarah's done it, so I can do it. It wasn't so scary anymore. But shooting film was slow. Like it takes months to potentially fill this role of film. And then I don't want to post one role all the way to America, so I'd do two or three roles and then I'd post this film away. And, I, and then I finally got to the stage, I thought, stuff this. I'm going to use a lab in New Zealand. And I won't name names because they cooked the film. So I had this roll of film and I sent it away and it came back and it was bright purple. So I don't, I don't know enough about what happens in labs. Maybe they didn't cook it. Maybe it was overheated. Or they I did it wrong. It. They did it wrong, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and I was heartbroken because, you know, we, we travelled. So it wasn't a case of me just knocking on their door and saying, could we do this again? Um, the photo was butchered and it was just like, damn. So that was when I went, right, I need to buy a digital camera. So that's when the project went digital and I was able to then grow it. And then, yeah, with a bit more momentum than with the film. So very big shout out to all my OGs at the beginning of the project who all had their photos taken on film. It was pretty special. But, um, yeah, we had to move on because – it was slow, it was expensive, and um, it was too hard to fix mistakes. So, um, And that's when I think my mind shift switched from this is about the stories and not about my desire to do photography and portraits, um, that the stories were attached to the photos, but now I sort of shifted to be more about the stories and more about the people and what could I do for them to connect them because also – you know, Sarah introduced me to all these Taranaki runners. Um, you know, there was um, Nat Cat, who is a photographer herself, um, Laura um, Johnson, who's a triathlete. There were all these people. And as I was meeting all of them and photographing them, I said, oh, I just met Nat. Do you know Nat? And they're like, oh, no, we're off Instagram, but we've never met. And it blew my mind that all these people were within five minutes of each other, maybe not literally, Mm. And I've never met each other. So I said, right, let's all get together for a coffee because you've got to meet each other. You're all amazing. You've got so much in common. So we all came together um, in Taranaki for a coffee. And that was when some little balls started to drop or some pennies dropped. And I was like, oh, now these people 
have come together through this project and now you know they're meeting each other and sharing stories and friends and they catch up at races now and um and it was like so maybe that's what this is maybe we tell stories and people find you know you don't have to like everybody but maybe you find people with some common interests or some commonality in stories because often you find pieces of yourself in the stories of others and um and so that sort of started rolling and then there became a lot more support within things. So once somebody was on the project, we'd then celebrate if they did a run or something like that or had a birthday. And it just it happens really organically, but at the same time, I have to give so much kudos to the people in the project because they did that. You know, I didn't drive any of that. You know, they just started supporting one another or, you know, a new person would go on the project and everybody would now follow them on Instagram. And then I'd get sent photos going, look who I bumped into at a start line um, and all of that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, like I said, that's all on them. I didn't do any of that. Like so much of the Runners NZ community is because of the people and they took the project on themselves and they, yeah, they just – I mean, most runners, I, I say this quite often, we haven't met any dicks yet. Do you know what I mean? Like everybody has been really nice, really open, really supportive, just really nice people. And I think so nice in the running community that most people are like that. And um, and I think it's just the project's a testament to all of them, not us, because, yeah, they've just been amazing and supporting one another and, um, yeah, I think it's pretty special. And like I said, no, that, none of that's credit to me. I just, and that's why when you asked me to be on this podcast, I thought um, it's really about them, not about us. Even though um, I've proven that I can talk a lot, um, <laughs> it, it has been. Um, yeah, the amount of the stories, you know, I could, I wrote. You know what? Before you, when you said we were going to have a chat, I wrote down. I started writing down a bunch of names from the people in the project, you know, we've lost touch with some people and there's no rules about being on the project. Like I say to people, if we have a chat and you get some things off your chest and then decide you don't want to share it, cool, don't share it. If You know, we've had people, mm. we've taken their photo and it's never made it onto the project because they've changed their mind. We've had so many people say, no, thank you. So lots of reasons. Some people have said, no, nah, I've been, you know, I've had some limelight, I don't need any more, let somebody else have a turn. We've had... Um, people say, oh, I'm not really a runner. You know, I just run five times a week, but I'm not really a runner. So, um, and, you know, I'm like, I am fine with all of that. So if anybody, I never put pressure on people and say you have to do this. Well, I might jokingly for a while, but if people say no, I respect that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting there going, yes, there's my out. <laughs> So, no, yeah, no, no, no I, I think it's, I think it's wonderful, and no, it's wonderful, and 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 what it highlights is, you know, and I think about someone who's and and, and looking at your Insta feed and and seeing heaps of people that I know, heaps of people that I recognise, heaps of people that I'm fond of, and one person who I know really well and I'm really really fond of, and that's Eugene. Even his story, and I know his story. Re hearing it. Being with him, you know, we travel overseas together. We've been to heaps of runs. We, 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 you know, we catch up most days. We talk. We that has his, his what he's written down illuminates for me mm. in a 
in a very real way, something that that real special place that running has, it's, it's, it's interwoven through his whole life and comes with, you know, a lot of very fond memories, but a lot of grief as well. And not to talk for him, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing that it, it, it highlights to people who might not know him from a bar of soap or anyone, Mm. just how rich people's experience is with, with this thing that we do and this thing that we're all sort of attracted to. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's interesting it's because like, some people hold back and like I said, I'm not here to push anyone, but some people really open up and it's quite hilarious. I've got a story about um, a lady in Taranaki, Alicia Parkinson. Um, I took her photo very early on and she said to me, do you do triathletes? And I said, well, if they run, yes. She said, my husband's a triathlete. You should hook up with him and get his photo tomorrow. So she organised it. He was on a lunch break and we met him in Taranaki in town. And um, I took his photo. I said, right now I'm going to ask you, like, what got you into running? And he started telling the story and he said, oh, I had this mad crush on this girl. So I started running and she was a runner. And so I ran to impress her and my heart sunk. And I said, Matt, I can't tell that story, man, because I've just photographed your wife. I said, and he said, don't worry, I married her. It's her. And I thought, oh, thank goodness. Yeah, but yeah, he told yeah. his story and we shared it. And Alicia's straight into my DMs going, I didn't know this. And I thought, isn't that funny? <laughs> like, it was, there was things in his story that he sort of said from the perspective of him trying to impress her in those early days. Um, and, and she was like, I didn't know this. So I thought that was cool and that made me smile. So it was, it was a nice little um, surprise um, for her even. <laughs> yeah. So you – so you're going to be hanging out next. It's not next week. In two weeks' time, you're going to be hanging out at at Kepler with you at the finish line with your camera. You, you're going to have lots yeah. of willing, so, you know, I had willing a, participants. I, <laughs> I had a lot of rules for myself around the project, and I'm learning very quickly, particularly now that we're not so transient, um, to let go of those a little bit. So I didn't want to photograph people at events, but um, at the Northburn. 100 a couple of years ago we grabbed some people at the finish line and took a photo of them at events and you know the project didn't die everything was okay everybody was fine <laughs> so I thought well you know events are great places to catch up with people although sometimes I feel like the conversations are a little trickier because people have got places to be and things to go um Eugene is a first because his is the first and only photo I didn't actually ask them if they wanted to be in the project in the first place um we caught up (laughs) he would have loved that (laughs) well I took it and it was I liked the photo and you know I I sort of hit you guys up at Kepler last year but you had to leave early um so didn't get up get you on the project last year but when I saw Eugene at um the great you were trying to get us to swim in the lake as well yeah or two, right. like there was, that was, that was like, come down, get your photo taken in your running gear, and then jump in the lake. And we jump, were like, yeah, good recovering. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he was doing these loops um, at Naseby, and we were there for Rego, obviously, the day before the shorter distances. And he came along the high piece of the track, and I was just there taking photos as I do. And he came around, I recognised them, and he gives me the, you know, the thumbs up or something in his weary way. And I took this photo, and I looked at it later, and I thought, oh, I want him to be on the project if he if he's okay with it. 
but it was the first and only photo of someone running. Whereas most people, even though I'm on digital now, most people I've just kept the project going the same. You stand there, have your photo taken, um, and you'll see if you see the project, a lot of the photos are very similar. But um, Eugene is our only running runner. So um, I messaged him a couple of days later, and um, and I think he was knee-deep in washing. And I said, I've got this photo of you. I said, I've always wanted you to share a story on the project. Can I show you the photo? And could we maybe use it on the project? And he was like, yes, absolutely. So um, he shared a bit of his story about why and how he got into running. And, um, yeah, so he has a very special place because he is the first and only at the moment. And, um, yeah, so you we have it. a, yeah. So Kepler and then your, your, the wild. Uh, the wild is down the wild. next door, so we're not entered in that, but it's definitely one that we could pop over to and um, and see a lot of people. So often, you know, it's not just about catch, capturing new people, but, you know, we go to events, and I always laugh. I sort of said <laughs> we had a Wellington meetup of all the Wellington runners, and they've got big love for them too because the Wellington crew have been um, a rock. And, you know, we've gone there quite often and we yeah. get it together for a group run. And um, and I was introducing two runners, um, Adam Allen and um, Stephen Bates, to each other. And I had this mind blank because I could only remember their Instagram handles. And so I was like, this is awkward. But I was like, uh, this is fraggle. Um, because I just had this mind blank. And I thought, right, once the project gets over 100, I can't remember everybody's names. I'm going to have to stop <laughs> because – um, I'm just going to start slipping up, but um, I do slip up often, but we are still going, and I still balls people's names up every now and again, and I get a mental image in my head of their Instagram handle or their Instagram name, and I can't think of their real name. It's so embarrassing. But <laughs> uh, I feel you, sister. I tell you what, it's uh, having had the privilege of done, doing this for five years and also uh, wearing – glasses and i don't wear glasses when i run it's it's ah. skin of the teeth sometimes i must admit and i feel really terrible but i can't see people yeah <laughs> like, we did this now that we're content you know i'm like oh, oh my. no i'm in context while you run oh no we did no, um no we did something while we were traveling we used to put a thing out on instagram saying where's home and people would answer and it was a little bit of research i was trying to figure out who was in the town we were in that i could maybe jump into some dms and get some new stories and um and one guy adam actually um said wellington and i said oh you know we're going to do a group run tonight you should come along but i went out for a wee walk along the waterfront and um and this guy ran past me and i thought flip that looks like the guy i've just been chatting to on instagram and he's running so it must be him but i debated over it for too long and he'd sort of run about 100 meters past me and i couldn't remember his name and i just took a deep breath and i turned around and i yelled full squatter because that was his instagram handle and he stopped and he just looked at me like what the heck and um, it was him thankfully and because our faces are not on the project a lot so we're very we intentionally try and stay off it um so he just looked at me like who else this crazy lady who knows my instagram handle so um yeah i've had some instances like that before i've sort of i'm not super confident at approaching people. I, I do say I'm going to – we just saw some runners on the route burn and I had my camera with me and I so wanted to say just a real quick elevator pitch, 
but I couldn't do it. So we missed that opportunity. But, um, yeah, quite often I do see people and I would just like love to approach them at the time and and get a story. But, see, yeah, don't have that brashness just yet. Although I am pretty good at sliding into people's DMs. <laughs> so I've done some pretty you should good probably, Walk that back. I mean, we've got the context with the sliding into the DMs thing. It's such an unfortunate phrase, isn't it? It, it is. Really it is. is. I mean, one name you'll know is um, David Hound-Schmidt. So we were at a running event in Rotorua, and the I think the 7Kers were lined up in the start shoot to go. Anyway, this this guy comes pushing through all these runners on the start shoot, and excuse me, excuse me, and he pops out in front. And, um, and Lee and I are, only, are watching, and I said, I think that guy just finished the 21K. And, and Lee's like, no, no, no. And this guy's standing in the middle of the, the start shoot because it was like you finished around the other side. And, um, and I'm yelling at the MC, I think someone's just finished. And she was ignoring me. So this guy just sort of shrugs his shoulders and walks off. So the 7Kers start their race. And then the lead bike comes in with another runner ages later. And, um, and, and, she's, and the MC gets on the mic and says, here's our first runner. And I'm, like, I'm yelling, no, it's not. And um, so it's over the big speakers. So, of course, David comes back because he's heard that second place is now getting credit for first. And he comes back and um, the lead bike said, I don't know who that guy is, but I couldn't keep up with him. So he had to prove that he'd done the course and everything. And, um, and, and you know, at that stage, I don't think a lot of people knew who David Hounsmith was. But um, – I figured out his name through the results and then I found him on Instagram and then I sent a message and I said, hey, saw what happened to you at the finish line. That was super funny. By the way, I've got this project and I wanted to show. So we actually ended up meeting with David um, the next day um, down by the lakes and joined him in the project. And um, so, yeah, that's a pretty funny story. Just how we come across people is always um, really amusing. I know Michael Voss has been on the project too, and I didn't know who he was when I asked him, um, <laughs> which is a little bit embarrassing because I just like, hey, Michael, I heard you're a runner. Would you be on this project? He's like, yeah, yeah. And after I'd done it, because I took Nathan, who was eight at the time, my son, you know, Michael's talking about doing um, the Tarawera, like an ultra next year, and he's, you know, hadn't done 100K. And my eight-year-old's, I just run 10. I can pace you. And so, you know, and it wasn't until we really went, home and Lee sort of nudged me and said do you know who that was and I said Michael and he's like he just won the Rotorua Marathon he's pretty good and I just blushed and I thought if I'd known who he was probably would never have asked but um yeah so mm. he's um super but I nice guess you guy. I guess you did right and and at the end of the day he is he's Michael he's a runner yeah you know that that that's that's what he does, and I'll say for for Dr. Hounschmidt, who has an open invitation to come on Dirt Church Radio. Do you know what your problem far, is? Your problem has, is you don't have a Dirt Church Radio course record. If you had one of those, he'd be here because I'm um, true. Don't okay, you think? Can, yeah, right. he couldn't resist. I think. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You guys need a course record, and then he'll just come to you. <laughs> He'll just turn up. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll put that in motion. Put that challenge out there. Look, Carly, I yeah, that's that that's a call to action. So there we go, David Hounschmidt. Uh, we, we've got a Strava crown a or doctor. actually a course record that you can come and yeah, Luke's exactly. The flying doctor, my goodness me. <laughs> yeah, 
run around the forest. Carly Webber, I'm going to ask you the question that we ask everyone who comes on Dirt Church Radio, and that's... it's coming. It's coming. It, 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 I know. It's, I know what you're going to ask because I've been thinking you know, about three, it for two three years. things. Three things <laughs> in this life, Carly. There's death, taxes, and greatest runs ever. So, uh, Carly Weber, what's been your greatest run ever? You know what? I've been following your podcast for ages, and every time I hear somebody else's story, I try. I try so hard to pull one of my own runs and mesh it into this box of greatest run ever, and I can't come up with one. And I was thinking about this all day today. Um, that you were going to ask me this and I was going to have to come up with an answer. And I want to say I haven't had it yet. I know everybody's got these amazing runs, but I've had a journey of injuries and I know what my greatest run will be. I think it will be running with my husband, Lee, because we don't run together. We have we balance the kids. And it will be somewhere beautiful and there will be only chosen suffering. So I don't mind a bit of suffering, but... I get sick of pains that are uninvited. So um, I've had some pretty cool runs, but honestly, I really want to answer that question genuinely when I've had a greatest run. And I'm going to disappoint you by saying I don't think I've had one yet. Um, I've had some pretty special runs with my son, Nathan. So he started running at eight, and um, we've been very lucky that some race directors have allowed him to do some um, longer runs we did um, and I'm not really supposed to talk about them because it's not really supposed to have done them but there are some race directors out there um, who have let Nathan run with me and I think crossing any finish line with him will always be my greatest runs mm. and um, but I still have hopes um, that I'm going to have something worthy and I know you do write-in ones and I am going to be writing in the minute I have got one so don't 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 come on now <laughs> you, you, you dug you yourself a hole you, you dodged the oh. question now you're doubly committing oh. well no what I'll say is we will get you I mean I would love we would love to have you back on the podcast because there's so much more to talk about and you've been so generous with your time so let's give you a bit of time and oh, go have that great one ever and we will get you back on to to <laughs> To talk about it. Yeah. Well, then you won't be injured. No, no. (laughs) Look, Carly, I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, The the best and sometimes most confounding thing about running is the community Mm. because you're so right. It's it's diverse, it's divergent, and sometimes it's not always positive. I think what's so wonderful about Runners NZ, and I uh, encourage people to go search it out, is just what you said. It's 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 that holistic notion. It's more than the sum of its parts. So, mm. you know, thank you so much for what you do for the community, and it's been so wonderful to talk to you. You're a force of nature, all right. Oh, I think I think all credit goes to the runners. Like I said, I wrote a list. I started writing a list of everybody's names. I wanted to get through this podcast and drop as many names as I absolutely could. Um, but I have a, I have a history of um, talking a lot and going down rabbit holes, so I didn't get there. But I, you know, I'm just so grateful for absolutely every runner who's been on there. And I think, you know, without them, there is no project. So they're the champions. And um, yeah, I would just like to say a massive thank you to everyone who has said yes, and even the ones who have said no. Like often, we'll have still have an amazing conversation. It just won't be on the project, and that's cool with me too. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carly. That was amazing. Um, really appreciated that. 
We, though, had better get out of the car park because we're sitting in the back of the car, the windows are all steamed up, people are going to start asking questions. And it's, I don't know if you can hear the wind outside the window, but yeah. it is it is inclement. But look, Indeed. thank you, Carly, and thank you all to you very much for tuning in. We're on social media at Dirt Church Radio. You can email us at dirtchurchradio at gmail.com. You can find us on all the podcast platforms, like and follow if you fancy, and you can download direct from the website, which is dirtchurchradio.com. Don't forget to write them with your greatest run ever. Um, you can have a read of them on the website, dirtchurchradio.com, and then um, get inspired. Uh, think about your goes for whenever that time you didn't slip over in a race what a show off um, we'd love to hear from you you can read them I've already said that send them into us dirtchurchradio at gmail.com thanks to our sponsors who keep the lights on Scott running further faster currents and Cielli thank you as ever to our Patreon patrons and wild things stay yeah. tuned for our show in two weeks when we have another great guest lined up do our sponsors pay for our car park charges they do yeah that's great thanks guys Matewa. Thanks, Rigby.